0: This morning, as we jump in, just one big idea that I want you to hear from the very beginning. This is is what we're trying to go towards this morning. How do we start well? How do we start well? How do, we, how do we start this year well as we, as we think about what it means to be people who are pursuing Jesus and walking in life and community with one another? So one of the things my wife Sydney and I have discovered kind of over the, the course of our 10 years of marriage, and this is not rocket science, this is like the, the most practical advice ever. One of the things that we've kind of seen is the way we start our year spiritually always determines the trajectory of our year spiritually, right? So the way we start the year spiritually determines the trajectory of the way um, that our year will so often go. And so one of the things that we've discovered is that the times when we sit down and say, okay, what do we hope God will do in our life this year? Even if the year plays out quite differently than what we had hoped for, just taking the time to make sure we start with intentionality and purpose does so much in the grand scheme of trying to walk with Jesus that year. When, when we begin the year accidentally, which, which we've done so often, you know, where the year rolls around and you're 15 days in and you haven't even stopped to assess where you've been and where it is that you're going, one of the things that we've discovered when we don't start the year with intentionality, so often our journey with Jesus just kind of flows the same way. It feels reactionary feels accidental, it feels haphazard. And so uh, one of the things that I, I want us to do this morning is to think about what does it look like for us to start well uh, together and so, one of the things that I've kind of seen in, in the midst of this journey for me, there's kind of been this cycle that plays out in my life uh, almost every January as I assess my relationship with Jesus. And if you're going to sit down and kind of kind of map out your own life, you may use different words than the words that I'm getting ready to give you this morning. But I want to kind of give us three words to hold on to as we begin 2016. And these are three words that have kind of kind of run their cycle over and over in my life, but especially in the month of January. So if you take notes, here are the three words, or you can at least take a mental snapshot. Uh, it, it is the word desire, discovery, and decision. Desire, discovery, And And one of the things that I've seen over and over and over is as I walk with Jesus, so often, especially in January and February, my, my journey with Jesus tends to start in this place of desire. It tends to move to a place of discovery, and then it leaves me standing in this place of decision. And I want us to think this morning about how that begins to play out in our lives as we seek to follow Jesus more faithfully together. So have you ever noticed, let's start with this idea of desire, have you ever noticed the way in which new beginnings tend to awaken your heart to new desires? Or maybe another way of saying it is new beginnings can awaken your heart to old desires in new ways. And so You know, you start a new school year and you go, okay, this is the year where I'm actually going to class. Or you get a new job and you go, this is the job that I'm actually going to show up for. Or you you start a new calendar year and you go, this is the year when I'm going to eat right. We we, we do this on the weekends, right? Like you've had a bad week and you go, okay, on Monday I'm going to get my act together, right? Because new beginnings have this ability to just kind of awaken us to new desires. And so sometimes you do this in a really formal way. And so some of you are, you've already sat down and you've gone, okay, 2016 is the year of, and fill in the blank, it's the year I get emotionally healthy, spiritually healthy, physically healthy, financially healthy. It's the year I get a job, or get the girl, or leave the job, or whatever, you know, this is the year, and some of you have made those plans, Right? And there's this thing that awakens when you step into a new season, this, this sense of, man, there, there's something more. Have you ever noticed how just intuitively you come into the beginning of a new year or a new season, and it's as if your soul is more attuned to the possibility of more? It's like there's, there's more of something or someone and this morning I'd argue that there's more of Jesus out there but I want you to think about that so so often uh, my journey in January starts with this place of desire and in all my zeal and my uh, excitement I rush into that desire like you know face first this is what I'm going to do I buy a new day planner then I lose the day planner and then I come up with a new plan to find a new day planner and we're going to go after this this year right and then three hours in or four days in or four weeks in, depending on how type A you are, you, you come to this point of discovery. And, and I find this happens every single year. There's this moment of discovery as I'm trying to lean into these new desires. And the discovery is this, that where I am is not where I want to be. And typically, the more honest I am with myself, the distance or the gap between where I am and where I want to be is so often much larger than I want it to be. I remember the year that Sydney and I got married, Uh, we've been married 10 years. And I remember coming into that January, we got married at the end of April. And I said, okay, I've got a wedding coming up in five months. I'm going to be in the best shape of my life. And so I I set this like physical goal, you know, I'm going to put on 20 pounds of muscle in the next five months. And you can tell looking at me that I did that clearly. And uh, (laughs) um, so, you know, I set out this goal and this desire to, to, to be in better shape. And And then there's this moment of discovery that where I was was much further from where I wanted to be than I had hoped for. And so I thought, oh, man, maybe I can set another goal. Or I've done this spiritually before. I remember in 2010, I thought, this is going to be the year where I'm going to memorize more Scripture. And so I marched into Brandon's office. He's one of the pastors here. And I said, here, here's my goal for 2010. I'm going to memorize the entire New Testament. And he looked at me. He's like, you've been drinking this morning? Like, like, what kind of goal is that? I'm like, let's shoot for the moon, man. God can do anything. And then like four days in, I've already quit. And I'm like, man, maybe I'll memorize James, you know. And, and just, just this sense. Have you ever been there before? You have this desire and you lean into the desire, and there's this moment of discovery that where you are is not where you want to be. And so often when we're truthful, the gap between those two points are much further than we want to admit, right? And then it kind of comes to the last part in the cycle, which I believe is the most important, and that is the moment of decision. What decision will you make when you find yourself standing in the gap between where you are and where God's made you to be? So often when I found myself in that gap in January or February or whenever it is, I kind of respond in one of three ways, and maybe this has been your story. One way is I just denied that the gap even exists. And, and some of us, we are, we are professionals at this. You know, if someone sat down with you right now and said, hey, how's your walk with Jesus? That question in and of itself would expose a gap for some of you. And you're, you're so prone to denying the gap even exists. How's your walk with Jesus? I'm, I'm good, it's good. <laughs> Quiet time's awesome. Start using all the language. Some of you, the the gap is so expansive, the only thing you know how to do is to deny it. Some of you, you've been like me in the past, and you see how big the gap is, and you're destroyed by it. You go, man, they're so far from point A to point Z, I don't even know where to step, and maybe you've done what I've done before. It wasn't that you were paralyzed, it's that you just ran in the opposite direction. Man, I'll never get there, so why even try? And this morning, I want us to wrestle with maybe a third option when we really open up our lives to the Lord and say, God, would you give us your desires? Would you help us to really wrestle with whatever it is that you help us to discover? Would you help us make a decision to keep moving forward even when the distance feels insurmountable? This morning, I want us to wrestle with what do you begin to do in the midst of the gap and so if you have a bible philippians chapter 3 we're gonna look at just a few verses this morning this is one of my favorite passages of scripture it's, it's particularly one of my favorite passages of scripture this time of year it's written by a guy named paul and i wish i had time to kind of tell you all of paul's story but he's got this amazing testimony maybe one of the coolest testimonies in the scriptures he was a religious zealot he was an extremist. Some would call him a terrorist. Before he became a follower of Jesus, kind of in the, in the guise of his religion, he would, he would kill Christians. He would imprison Christians. Then he has this encounter with Jesus. And by the time you come to the book of Philippians, Paul is an older man. He is a seasoned follower of Jesus. God has done amazing things in his life. And you get to Philippians chapter three, Paul has had great success in his life. He's had great success with Jesus. And he gives us this gift in chapter three where he kind of tears open his chest and he says, let me show you the cycle, the journey that I find myself on as I've been walking with Jesus. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul's going to give us a picture of his desires. He's going to give us a picture of his discovery, and he's going to give us a picture of the decision that he makes as he finds himself standing in the gap. So Philippians chapter 3, we're starting in verse 10. Paul has just gotten done sharing all of the successes that he's had, but he says, this is what I really desire. This is what I'm really after. Verse 10, look at this. He says, I want to know Christ. The power of his resurrection." the participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, somehow obtaining to the resurrection from the dead. And so Paul looks at us, he says, listen, this is the longing of my heart. This is the longing of my life. He says, I've I've experienced fame, I've experienced success, I've experienced God working through me in powerful ways. He says, yeah, I count all of that as rubbish or garbage. That's what he says in the first part of chapter three. He says, what I wanna know is Jesus. I wanna know Christ. And then he goes on and he begins to define what knowing is. And I want you to hear this. He gives us his definition of knowing. He says, knowing is not about information. It's about participation. Paul says, I don't want Sunday school Christianity. I don't want fill-in-the-blank Christianity. I don't want check-the-box Christianity. He says, what I want is to know Jesus and to know all of Jesus, to be like Jesus. In thought, in action, in deed, in feeling, in purpose, in mission, in life. I don't know what it is that brought you here this morning. But my question is, do you want your life to be like Jesus' life? That's the trajectory of all real Christianity. Not just to be saved, but to have the fullness of the one who has saved you, filling every fiber of your being, that you can know him. And Paul's going to say that knowing is not about information. It is about participation. And he goes on, he says, I want to know the power of his resurrection. He says, I I want to share in the fellowship of his suffering. Have you ever prayed that prayer before? I've been a Christian for 16 years. I've never one time in my life said, Jesus, will you help me to suffer the way that you suffer? He says, I want to be like you in your death. And I I, I want to attain to the resurrection of the dead just like you, Jesus think about my, my two oldest boys, Micah, who is five, Jack, who is three. And one of the things that they're kind of in this phase right now is Jack, my three-year-old, wants to be just like Micah, my five-year-old. And it annoys the fire out of Micah. He, he hates that Jack wants to copy him and everything that he's doing. And so yesterday, we're sitting in the car, Sydney's in running errands, and uh, uh, Jack asked Micah, hey, Micah, what do you want to be when you grow up? And Micah was ready. He said, I want to be a firefighter. And then Jack says, hey, dad, when I grow up, I'm going to be a firefighter. And Micah was instantly angry. He says, no, I'm going to be a firefighter. I can get the job done. We only need one of those. You pick something else. And I love the confidence. I mean, just the, like all fires under control because I'm here, you know. And, and, and Jack said, no, I want to be a firefighter. And then Micah said, well, dad, I changed my answer. I, I, I'm going to be a Ninja Turtle as if that's a real option. And And so Jack follows suit. Okay, I don't want to be a firefighter anymore. I want to be a Ninja Turtle too. And and they go back and forth. And it was this picture in my car unfolding of what Paul talks about here. Paul says, I don't want to just know about Jesus, my big brother in the faith. I don't want just random facts. I don't just want the blessings that come from him dying on the cross. He says, I want to be just like him. Suffer as he suffers. Live as he lived. Raise as he raised. Dies as he dies. And here's my confession as we start this new year. My desires are not like Paul's desires. Paul says, I want to know Jesus, all of Jesus. I want to want to know Jesus. Paul says, I want, and I say, I want to want. Like, I want part of what he prays for, I don't want all of it. I go, Have you ever been there? One of the things I've been praying for for our church as we come into 2016 is that God would make us a group of people that want to want. Because the Bible tells us when you're thirsty, you'll be satisfied. When you're hungry, you'll be filled. When you knock, the door will be open. When you seek, you will find. Jesus says, listen, here, here's the promise. Where there's a desire, where, where, where there's a hunger, where there is a longing for more of God in your life, you'll be filled. Like, oh go, man, God, I want to want. And I love this, Paul opens up his chest, he and here's where we're starting. He says, here's the desire. He says, I want to know all of Jesus. It's kind of that first phase of the cycle. But then he gives us a gift that I think we so often miss because sometimes we read the Bible and we make it so black and white, we make it so two-dimensional. Paul says, listen, I don't want to just show you my desire, I want to show you my discovery. Jump down to verse 12. He says, I want to know Christ. But this is what he says in verse 12. He says, but not that I've already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which for Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have yet taken hold of this. Have you ever noticed how comforting it is to be around a follower of Jesus who is much older than you, who has the vulnerability and the courage to look at you and say, this is what I long for, but this is where I am? I think sometimes we lose sight of this we make the apostle paul some guy that he wasn't some hero that he wasn't he was a person in process he was a person who was learning how to walk with jesus in real time and paul says what i long for is to know all of christ but there's this discovery and the discovery is that where i am is not where i want to be there's a gap in my life i remember years ago i was sitting down with one of my mentors he's 85 years old you've heard me talk about him if you've been around This for any amount of time and I was there in his living room, there were three or four other guys in the room, and we were just sharing our struggles and our hopes and our dreams and our fears. And one of the guys in the room got vulnerable, and he, he, he said to our mentor, he said, I've been a Christian for 10 years, and I'm still struggling with lust. I cannot seem to break the cycle and the addiction of lust in my life. And So he looked at our, our mentor, and he said, I've got two questions. How old were you when you quit wrestling with lust?" And, and two, what has your journey been like through this process? And I'll never forget what our mentor said. 85 years old, he said, he said, let me answer your first question first. He said, I've yet to experience the moment when lust is no longer an issue in my life. And at first, we were kind of like grossed out. We're like, really? Like, <laughs> I Thought there was like an age limit on this. But then we were so encouraged. For someone to to, to get down in our shoes and to go in, I know what it's like to desire something I don't yet have mastery of. To stand in the gap between where I am and where it is that God has made me to be. And then he went on to tell stories of how he's continued to journey through that gap all of these years. And I love this picture. Paul says, here's the desire that I know Christ. And here's the discovery that I'm not yet there. And maybe my favorite part, maybe the most important part of this whole passage. And Paul says, and here's the decision that I made when I found myself standing in the gap. Look down at the end of verse 13 and 14. He says, when I find myself standing there, there's one thing that I do. Now, this is kind of typical Pauline fashion. He says, there's one thing that I do. Then he's going to give us three things that he does. He could have he used a good editor. but he says, there's, he says, there's one thing that I do when I find myself in the gap. He says, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I have this desire to know Jesus I've had this discovery that I'm not yet, yet there with Jesus. And this is the thing that I do when I find myself standing between who I am and who I want to become in Christ. He says there's this one thing that I do and he gives us this verse that for some of us has become a memory verse and we've, we've heard it so many times we can't even hear it. And I just want to kind of break it down in layman's terms. Three things Paul says. He says, I let go, I lean in, and I look up. He says, I let go, I lean in, and I look up. Paul says, if if you want to know what to do in that moment of discovery, if you want to step towards who it is that God has made you to be in Christ Jesus, he says, there's this process that I use to break the cycle of January. (laughs) I let go, I lean in, and I look up. Paul knew what it was like to let go. Uh, Most of his life prior to knowing Jesus Um, was something that he wished very greatly that he could forget. Don't you know that every time he stood up in a new church to preach, he would look out and he'd see the faces of family members who had lost loved ones at the hands of Paul's brutality? Nobody wanted to forget their past like Paul did. Paul knew what it was like to leave things in the past, in the distant past, and he also knew what it was like to try to leave things in the near past. You remember what he says in Corinthians? He says, I have this thorn in my side. There's this thing that I cannot seem to get over. Do you remember his words in Romans chapter seven? He says, what I want to do, I don't do. What I don't want to do, I keep on doing. Paul knew what it was like to have to let go in order to move forward. And Paul says, if you wanna know what to do in the gap, he says, this is part of the way that it begins. He says, I forget the things of the past. Now let's just call this what it is. How hard is it to forget your past? How easy is it to do that? Someone merely saying it doesn't help you do it. But Paul says, this is the part of the process. He says, he says, I let go of, and he says, and then I lean into, like God has some things on the horizon that I was made for. When is the last time you thought of this? I love the words of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, where it says, you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus, who has prepared good works in advance for you to do. Have you ever thought about this reality that God has kingdom adventures sitting away in layaway? He's already paid the bill. He's waiting for someone to go to the counter and pick them up. God has things in the future with your name on them. If only you'll lean into them. And Paul says there are these things to let go of. He says, but there are these things to lean into. He says, I forget what is behind. I press on towards what is ahead. I let go of, I lean into, I let go of, I lean into, I let go of, and I lean into. And I love the way he ends. Look at, look at the end of verse 14. He says, and I do this by looking up. I love that Paul does not end this little passage by saying, I let go of, and I lean into, so try harder. Get more disciplined. <laughs> Get a better plan. Paul says, no, I fix my eyes on Jesus. I look into heaven, I, I'm reminded of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done, and the source of my strength as I try to let go of and lean into, is not myself and it's not my discipline, and it's not my plan, but it's the grace of Jesus Christ, the Lord. And as a church family, I want you to hear this at the beginning of 2016. We rest on that reality we rest on the reality that the only reason we can let go of and lean into is because there is someone that we're looking up to who's done everything that we need to do so that we can step into the future that God has made us for. And I've been thinking about this all week long going, now what would happen if every person in our church just made the decision before the Lord? Lord, there is more of you to be had in 2016. There's more on the horizon between you and I in 2016 but in order for me to get there there's some things I need to let go of and some things I need to lean into so we're going to end today a little bit differently I want to invite you to get out these red and green cards I'm going to explain this and I think we're gonna have a really powerful time of worship and prayer at the end so I really encourage you to stick around but I want to invite you to take out the red card first And at the top of it it says letting go and here in just a minute, I'm going to give you the opportunity to, to write something down, but I, I want you to understand what it is that we're going to write down on these cards, okay? So here's the question that I want you to think about as you hold the red card in your hand. If Jesus Christ could miraculously help you let go of one thing in your life so that you could know God better, what would it be? If Jesus Christ could help you miraculously let go of one thing in your life so that you could know God better, what would it be? For some of you, this may be a behavior. You know you've got a habit, you've got a sin, you've got a vice, whatever it is that you want to label it. You have something in your life that is robbing you of intimacy with Jesus. For some of you, it's a behavior, and you just need Jesus to break the grip of that behavior in your life to help you let it go. For some of you, it may be a memory there are some of you that have done things that are keeping you from stepping into the future because it's all you can remember. For some of you, there are things that have been done to you that are keeping you from experiencing and receiving the promises of God. Maybe the thing that you need God to help you let go of this year is a memory or the power of that memory on your life. Maybe a behavior. It may be a memory. It may be a grudge. Some of you have been wronged by family or friends or loved ones, and you're just waiting for them to say they're sorry. And I don't say this to be hard on you, but um, there's a responsibility on your end. And they may never give you the apology that you think you deserve. And maybe what you need to let go of this year is the grudge. Maybe it's control. Some of you have control issues. (laughs) And the older you get, you go, I can't control anything. (laughs) Maybe it's control. You just go down through the list. In a minute, I'm going to give you the opportunity to fill out this card. What is the one thing that if Jesus could miraculously help you let go of it this year would change your friendship with him? Uh, Pick up the green card for a second. I want to explain this. If the red card is about something you need Jesus to help you stop, the green card is about something you need Jesus to help you start. And it's a similar question. If, if there's just one thing that Jesus could miraculously help you start this year so that you would know him better, what would it be? Maybe a behavior. You know, some of you go, man, if only, if only I could read the word more. I know it changed my life, but I can't ever seem to do it. Or if only I could pray with vulnerability, man, it would change my life. Or if only I could start tithing or giving or serving. Some of you know there are some behaviors that if you could just put them into place in your life, it would change your friendship with Jesus. It may not be a behavior. For some of you, it may be a risk. God has called some of you to step into unknown waters, and you know it. You know this is the year, and you don't have the courage to do it yet, and you're like, Lord, if you could help me step towards that towards that job, towards that dream, towards that goal, towards that ministry. You know it would change your life. Maybe it's a relationship. God, I know I'm supposed to disciple this person or I know I'm supposed to be discipled by this person. I know I'm supposed to be in a house, church, or in community or whatever it may be, but I can't seem to get there. What is the one thing that if Jesus can miraculously help you start it this year, it would change your life? lean into it. So here's what we're going to do in just a second. The band's going to come up and they're going to play. And I I want you to hear this whole process, okay? We're going to start with the time of reflection. And I want you to take the cards. There should be a pen on your seat and write at least one thing on the red and the green card. What is one thing you need to let go of? What is one thing you need to lean into? So take some time to reflect And then after a few minutes of reflection, we're gonna have the opportunity to share. And I wanna encourage you as the band is leading worship for you to to share with the person next to you if they're a safe person, if you know them and trust them, to show them your cards and let them pray over you and for them to show you their cards and you pray over them. Some of you, I just wanna let you off the hook here. Some of you don't know the people around you and they don't feel safe. That's okay. You can share your cards with Jesus. You can talk to him. We're also gonna have men and women up front at the respond banner. And you can just walk up hand us your cards, we'll pray over you, no questions asked, and give your cards back to you. But we just wanna pray the grace and the power of God as you try to let go of some of these things and lean into some of these things. We're gonna have, I think, a powerful time of prayer over you. And then we're gonna spend, we're gonna sing just two or three songs together as a moment of us just looking up towards Jesus. And, And the way we're gonna end today, I want you to hold on to the red card, hold on to the green card. The very last thing we're doing in our time together today is we're gonna all take communion uh, together. And then we're going to do something very specific with these cards. So hold on to these cards in the, in the time of worship. Uh, we're just going to share. We're just going to pray. We'll be prayed over. And then I'll tell you what to do after that. So let me pray over us as we get ready to reflect and to share and, and to lean into the Lord together. And, uh, and then we will jump into worship. Father, thank you so much for this new beginning.